Welcome back everybody. Barry and Eric here at Moss Pond. Today we got another gun gripe for you. And today's gun gripe is going to be about the NFA and basically how we think all of the, uh, or a good number of the laws surrounding the NFA are pretty much bullshit. The National Firearms Act was formed back in the, in the 20s and 30s when the gangsters were running loose. You could go in a hardware store and buy a Tommy gun off the rack with a hundred round seed drum and a case of dynamite. Nobody asked you any questions. Back then, you gave you money and you left the store. The gangsters started using Tommy guns. The police were outgunned, so they started the NFA, National Firearms Act, to try to control these weapons. But people like Bonnie and Clyde, they were hitting armories. They would break into a military armory and steal the guns. They weren't trying to buy them. The law is a classic example of every gun law that's passed only affects the law-abiding citizens. If you're going to be a criminal, you're going to steal the gun, you're going to acquire it in any way you can. You can even have one made if you want to. So the NFA, all these gun laws are basically just something to extract money from you. Way back then, to get an NFA weapon, you had to pay $200 cash for your stamp. That has not changed in all these years. Now, if you take inflation into account, that would be like eight or $9,000 today. Back then, that was a lot of money. That was a $200 was a lot of money back then. You could buy a Model A for about a thousand dollars. A thousand? Yeah, about a thousand. My grandpa used to tell me stories about his paychecks and uh, you know I want to think that he said you could go to the grocery store and buy like a whole week's worth of groceries for like three dollars. You could. That sounded about could. right. Well I worked at a company we found some old record books there right after World War II these guys went to work for this company they were they were paying them a dollar an hour and uh, I asked one of the old gentlemen that's still working, and he said, he said, Barry, that's more money than I had ever seen in my life. In 1945, he was making $12.50 a week working in a sawmill. Now, uh, I'm 57 years old, and, and when I started driving a car, gasoline was 21 cents a gallon. So in just that amount of time, you look how much that is multiplied. People are spent, right now, in those days, gasoline didn't even, wasn't even a consequence to me. Right now, gasoline is eating me alive. Yep. I'm costing 45 or $50 a week to drive back and forth to work. You know what the funny thing about that is, though, Barry, is that uh, here in Georgia, we actually have some of the lowest gas prices in the whole nation. In the whole nation, So right. there's some areas where gas is at like $5, $56 a gallon. That's correct. That's a lot of dang money. That's absolutely correct. But getting back to the NFA, I mean, back then, $200 was a lot of money. And really, in the big scheme of things, $200 is still a lot of money when you factor in what it's meant to do. And it's basically converting your right into a privilege and basically making you pay for your own rights that should really be your ability to have regardless. You that shouldn't have to pay no kind of tax stamp just now, to have a short barrel rifle or a machine gun. I mean, that's stupid. To clarify the price of this a little bit, it's $200 per item. Right. Uh, if you have a suppressor, a short barrel rifle, short barrel shotgun, any type of NFA weapon is, is a $200 transfer, except, now the, uh, some companies are making these little pump shotguns that are about, a, about this long, Mossberg makes them, the transfer on that is only $5, because that is conceived and made in that form. Right. If you take a rifle and want to cut it off, or a shotgun and want to cut it off, it's a $200 stamp. That, that gun has to be re-registered right. as a short barrel shotgun, short barrel rifle, and we get a lot of questions about class three, full auto type stuff, NFA stuff, a lot. People asking us, I mean, people will come in and they'll look at the uh, barrel extensions for Masterpiece. Like this. And they'll say, yeah, they'll say, that's a suppressor. No, it's not. It's just a barrel extension. It just looks like a suppressor. Right. 
Right. And there's a lot of confusion up, out there about that kind of stuff. Some people think that um, you know just because something looks like a suppressor or just because something looks like a machine gun, right. not unlike this crazy contraption we have sitting in front of us, somebody would look at that and think, oh, that's got to be illegal. This crazy contraption right here is, is, is no more an assault rifle than any of these other guns in here. This is not an assault rifle. It does not have full auto capability. Well, you know, this, a semi-automatic rifle. To, to me, you know, and the, the term assault rifle to me is such bullshit yeah. because that's kind of like taking a knife and saying this is a killing knife. Right. A knife is only a tool until you use it for a purpose other than what it's designed right. to do. Right. And this firearm is designed to fire lead and jackets at high velocity into your intended target. The only time it becomes a weapon is when it's used right. as a weapon. People use baseball it's a bats tool. and hammers and things yeah. like that as, to assault people. Right. Is it an assault bat? Is it an assault hammer? No. No, it's not. It isn't. Uh, this term assault rifle was coined back in the Clinton era when they wanted to put the gun ban down for 10 years, the Clinton gun ban, and that's all it is. It's a, it's a term that was coined by the media and it caught on. Everybody played on that one word. This is not an assault well, rifle. Well, more, uh, more cars kill people every uh, right. year than guns do by, by far. Well, the first assault rifle, I believe, was the Sturmgewehr 44, correct? That's correct. The but, Sturm, the and Sturmgewehr means storm rifle. Right. It is a rifle that you storm someplace with. It's a, it is a weapon made for assault, but it's also a good offensive weapon as well. This is just as much as an offensive weapon as it is a... Uh, a defensive weapon is an offensive weapon. But it's only a weapon when it's used for that purpose, though. That we is have to correct. remember. I mean, you can't you can't just call something a weapon. To me, like the term assault rifle or assault weapon is so dumb. I mean, mm -hmm. it just doesn't make any sense. Well, it's like saying it's an assault spoon. Right. I can kill you with a spoon. Right. But does that make it a, a weapon? Well, what the Clintons and the Brady Bunch tried to do back in the '80s, they tried to take a deer rifle that has a scope, and they tried to they tried to stick the terms sniper rifle on it. It didn't stick, but it well, almost did. I don't know now. It has. It when you look at the video something. game crowd, I mean, that's one thing that gets me. And I've had a few YouTubers ask me about this. The thing with the video crowd that gets me, the video game crowd, is that they'll say any gun that has a scope on it is automatically a sniper. Right. And they don't even call it a rifle. They'll say, hey, let me shoot your sniper. Right. And they say it's a sniper just because it's got a scope on it. Right. And that's just the, the type of, uh, you know, upbringing these, these kids have had and this generation of Americans right. has had have been around computer games and video games all this time. That's all they know. Mm -hmm. And they just call it a sniper. Well, when we used to have a, we used to have quite oh, a few yeah. 50 calibers here. We've had Barrett's in here. We've had uh, Armalite AR-50s and everybody looks at, oh look, that's that big sniper rifle. That is not a sniper weapon. It wasn't designed to snipe. It is a material rifle. That's it's right. made to shoot vehicles on the ground or helicopters on the ground. Uh, disable radar dishes and communications and things like that. But yeah, they'd use them for sniping at people. But it's not designed for that. The 50 BMG was never intended to be a sniping no. cartridge. No. BMG means Browning machine, machine gun. gun. It was designed as a brown as a machine gun cartridge. Right. Now, um, the thing about sniping too, and I know we're kind of getting off track a little bit, but I'll elaborate quickly on it. S sniping. You know, some people think just because you build a real nice rifle that bam, you're a sniper. Mm -hmm. 90% of sniping involves reconnaissance, intelligence, collecting data, mm -hmm. observation. Mm -hmm. It involves stealth, sneaking around, watching people. Probably 99%. Right. If a sniper fires a shot, there's, there's trouble. I mean, there's different types of sniper operations and sniper missions out there, but most 
modern sniping now, I think uh, commanders on the battlefield are realizing that snipers are both most well suited for gathering intelligence, reconnaissance, right. and basically just um, demoralizing the enemy. Right. Um, you know, a sniper is usually going to choose a choice target. He's not going to fire at just an average Joe. He doesn't want the grunt. A sniper wants to kill an officer or someone important. I mean, at their core, a sniper's role is to demoralize the enemy. Right. And the best way to do that is to make an officer's head blow up. That's right. You take out the snake's head and you kill the snake. That's right. That's right. But anyway, getting back to the NFA, uh, I've got a lot of buddies that, uh, that own machine guns and suppressors and so on and so forth. And what is irritating to them about this thing is taking longer and longer to get their paperwork back. Uh, one friend of mine, it took him six months to get his uh, paperwork back on his short barrel Sega, and it has been taking about two to three months. Right. See, they haven't been able to come up with a reason to completely do away with it. They, they just can't seem to get their foot in that hole just yet. Believe me, they're trying. Mm -hmm. But the best way that they can figure to make it worse on you is just to make it take longer. Right. So that's all they can really do at this point is to make the process take longer. Mm -hmm. That's all they've been able to do. But if you know anybody who owns a Class Three weapon or whatever, and they have been checked out by everybody, they're the, they're the most balanced, uh, uh, level-headed people you'd ever want to meet in your life, and they're the most law-abiding people you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah, crimes are never committed with registered never, machine guns. Never. It never happens. I mean, we go to a lot of these machine gun shoots, and out and about, I, like, I know some of you came out to Piedmont and uh, hung out with us, shot a few guns. But I'm telling you, machine gun owners are the most level-headed and responsible people you'll ever meet. Um, very, very, very rarely do you encounter someone that owns a machine gun that ain't got no business having it. Um, yes, the prices on machine guns have gone up considerably. It is a supply and demand type thing. Uh, they don't allow any more uh, manufacture of machine guns except for military and law enforcement use. Uh, so that means every machine gun that's out there that's transferable, of course, is going to go up in price because you have a large amount of people wanting them and a very small quantity of them available for sale. That's correct. And it's less and less of them every day. Well, yeah, they get stolen, they get lost. Once a machine gun is stolen, that there's pretty much no chance it'll ever uh, be back on the registry again. Once it's taken off the registry and it's considered lost or stolen, that's it. It'll never be able to be brought back into private use again. Well, to give you an example, I worked for a company in 1980. We made the MAC-10 submachine gun and we could convert AR-15s you could bring in your AR-15, which at that time cost about $500, which was a lot of money in 1980. And uh, you register the weapon, you register the receiver, and we would drop the M16 parts in the gun, and you'd have a, uh, you'd basically have an M16 for less than $1,000. And they should really cost no more than that anyway. And they shouldn't cost Even any today. more than anyway. But I believe it was 1988 or 86, they changed the law. You cannot no longer convert a new gun for civilians. Now, which is bullshit. If you had, if you had a registered lower, if this was a registered lower, you can keep building this thing over and over and over forever. But this is the part that has to be registered. That's what is considered the firearm. This is the firearm. Now, this if you were chassis. talking about an actual registered M16 lower, or let's just say even a drop-in parts kit that was registered, like say maybe a Lightning Link or a registered M16 parts set or whatever. You're talking about spending twelve to fifteen thousand dollars on something like that. Right. A lightning link. Sometimes you can get in those for around six to eight thousand dollars, but that's still about the cheapest uh, game there is for converting an AR to full auto. Uh, so when people come in and ask us, like, "Hey, well, this full auto is illegal. 
you can't have a full auto gun. See, our society has been dumbed and, and basically just indoctrinated to the point where they think they can't own a machine gun anymore. The dream of owning a machine gun at an affordable price that most of us can actually get into for is so far out of reach for this generation that they've just come to believe that they can't have it at all. Right. But that's really not the, the case. It's just so cost prohibitive that, you know, most of us just can't afford it. Well, a Mac-10 in 1980, to produce it, the company that I worked for, the cost on that gun was $75. Yeah. And employees of the company, like me and everybody else, said we could buy the gun for $75, but we had to pay a $200 transfer. The suppressors cost something like 30 bucks for us to make materials and labor, but it's a $200 tax on that too. So right. you, you got a gun, you got a hundred and something dollars, and in $400 worth of tax. $400. And I think, um, I think now, Barry, um, they are seeing the light a little bit more now. We do have the slide fires, uh, which this is a, if you've seen uh, the videos on them, I'm sure you have. I've got a video on them, tons of other people do. Uh, the slide fire basically allows you to bump fire the rifle from the shoulder. Right. Um, you can use these on the AR-15s, the AK-47 variants, and uh, they work quite well. They replicate full auto fire a hell of a lot better than you might think, and you can aim it, you can actually hit stuff with it. So I hope that eventually the government will understand that um, there's all these stupid loopholes, the law is really outdated, it needs to be updated for a modern society. And I, I think that we'll realize that as more of these types of products come to surface and everything that, um, you know, they'll see that full auto is really no more dangerous than semi-auto and there's really no reason to keep a law-abiding citizen from having a full auto firearm versus semi-auto other than they just want to oppress you and right. deprive you of your rights. A little bit of control. That's what it comes down to, it's control. You know, a well-armed citizenry is the government's worst enemy. And that's the last thing they want is for you to be just as armed as they are because then they have to reason with you. Right. And the thing that you have to remember is that slaves ask for permission, but free men do what they want. And this is a free country. Last time I checked, it's a free country. You got rights. And the way I look at it, I'm not a slave. I'm not going to ask permission. And, you know, that's one of the things to look at. I mean, we there's no reason why you should not be able to buy a Bushmaster M4 or whatever, full auto for a thousand dollars. There's no There's reason, no reason. in the world why. Now they can still collect the two hundred dollar tax stamp if they want. In the big scheme of things, I don't have a huge problem with registration of machine guns. Mm -hmm. I can live with that. I'll pay the two hundred dollar tax stamp. I don't mind paying my due. But you shouldn't but have to make pay them available. You shouldn't have to pay sixteen thousand dollars. You shouldn't. The there, there's no reason why an AR-15 full auto or an AK should cost more than eleven, twelve hundred dollars tops, tax and everything. But folks, you got to be careful. Anytime you let a law get passed and it takes hold, it's like a pit bull. You can't you can't get it off of you. That's right. And it's hard to get it off once you get it started. Now, we got a real important election coming up here in 2012. Probably the most important election in the history of the world. Uh, the president of the United States basically is the most powerful man on earth, and we have to be very careful who you put in that position. Now. Um, like I said, uh, these, these Supreme Court judges that get appointed by people, they just had that vote on, on, the, first, on the Second Amendment about, uh, what was it, about a year or so ago. Nine judges voted on it. Five of them were for it and four of them were against it. Now, if one had moved over to this side, what are they going to do when, when they say, they declare that the Second Amendment is not a right, what's the next step? What are they going to do? Uh, 
Are they going to try to come and get your guns? Are they going to try to make you register your guns? Or what are they going to do at that well, point? Well, I, I know one thing. Whatever they decide to do, they better raise a big-ass army. Well, that's all I got to say. I think that uh, uh, gun confiscation would be an impossible thing to do. But there again, I was talking to a customer today. Now, a lot of law-abiding people are tend to abide by the law. That's right. So if how many people would actually surrender their weapons if they were ordered to do so? Well, I know one thing. If you look at, uh, and I'm giving a shout-out here at our Canadian brothers uh, up north, you look at uh, Canada, they just abolished the long gun registry. Finally, after mm -hmm. a long fight, they finally abolished the long gun registry. I'm proud to hear that. That's great to see that happening. We live in a modern society, a modern world where free people live, and I, I'm really glad to see that that's happened now. Right. And Canada's example is just proof that a, 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 a nationwide handgun, long gun registry would be both very cost, uh, very, very high cost for them to enforce and, and almost impossible to call and enforce with all the paperwork and everything involved. Even a nationwide, um, if they wanted to actually confiscate guns, register them, I just don't think they realize the cost that would be involved they in doing wouldn't that. Be able to afford, they All of the, the people that you would have to hire to do that. They all don't of have the, the manpower. You would have to have an army of people to do that. Right. There's just no way that's going to happen. But anyway, anyway. Uh, people are starting to learn, like in Canada and so on and so forth, the tide is starting to turn now. People are realizing that you have to provide for your own protection, and hopefully the tide will keep turning this way. When, uh, when we have an armed society, we'll have a polite society, and we'll have a safer society. More guns mean more safety. They don't mean more danger. A uh, civilized society that's armed is the, is the best defense you could possibly have, the best gun, uh, defense this country could ever have. Well, I think we better wrap it up for this evening. And we appreciate uh, all the subscribers uh, coming in. I had a young man come in today that who just loved our videos, and it warms my heart when I hear somebody call me on the phone and say, Barry, I appreciate what you and Eric are doing. Y'all keep up the good work. Yeah. And uh, it, it really makes my day. And when yeah. he came in here today, this this young man is 19. He just got uh, out of uh, jump school at Fort Benning, and he's going to make the military his career. And he was the most mild-mannered, disciplined young man I have ever met in my life, and it warmed my heart. He's going to be a future uh, West Point graduate. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's, um, that's a very prestigious thing. We're proud of him, and, you know, we... We uh, definitely like it when people come in and talk to us, and uh, you know, hopefully his military career will do well. And uh, you know, I always support anyone that wants to do that. Right. So I guess it's me and Eric signing off, and uh, y'all have a good evening, and uh, stay tuned for the upcoming videos. Also, if you guys have sat through this video this long, I want to let you know we've got two new series that are going to be coming up every week. I won't divulge them right this moment, but let's just say that when they come around, you'll know. And uh, we'll have two new series coming every week. Mm -hmm. So we have the gun gripes and then two others. So two stay others. tuned for that. Every week. Yep. Y'all awesome. have a good evening. See you later. Signing out. Signing off. <laughs>